from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Our Father, we are totally unworthy of a soldier like this who came up in our own communicants class here and stood behind this desk and his faith in Christ and has led us often in prayer. And the elders of our church prayed for him when he left to go there. We pray that you will help us to keep our hearts burdened with the burden that he feels for these people who are so hungry and so many who do not know the Savior and have never known his love. We thank you for his tremendous courage and for his faith. We thank you for his mother and dad and family and for the sacrifice that they make in praying for him and in seeing him go there. We pray for his safety, and we pray also for his witness for you. And we ask you to bless us in the dignity that is ours in sharing with him, in holding the lines by prayer, by giving, by supporting. Bless these gifts which we bring today. Superintend their use, and grant that they may bring glory to your name. And hear our prayers for the safety of Joel and for our other missionaries as well, and for many others like them in hidden places in the world who serve you faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Then I want you to look again at the passage in John chapter 9, and I want to try to teach a brief lesson from it as quickly as I can. We've had a little more than I realized this morning. John chapter 9. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man. This is the first thing. Joel has a heart like Jesus when he sees these people like sheep without a shepherd. He is, echo he is echoing what his Lord felt. You can't do what Jesus did unless you feel like Jesus felt. But as we learned from our lesson last Sunday, a feeling is no substitute for action. We must do something. If we don't, then we become satisfied with just a feeling, and we go away and nothing really transpires. Soren Kierkegaard, the great Danish theologian, had a parable about a preaching goose. And he said that this goose used to waddle out into the courtyard, out into the farmyard, and he would rally all the geese around. And he would point with one wing up into the air at the great flight of powerful geese that would make their way across the trackless north. He would tell about their heroic exploits and about what uh, geese in the past had done. 
And the geese all loved to hear this, and they flapped their wings and nodded their approval and honked and made many sounds. But then the farmer said Kierkegaard would come out with his bucket full of plump, fat, yellow kernels of corn. He would reach in and fling out a handful of corn, and the geese would waddle off eating the corn and go back to what they'd always been doing before. And he said there was a tendency in the church to be like that, to just listen and to exult in the feeling and the experience of a Joel Barker, but really not to do anything, not to pray, not to give, not to write, not to show the interest and the love that we ought to show. And so it's a challenge to each of us. We can pray. Jesus saw a man. His disciples saw a problem. And so they spoke to him. They said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus healed their, uh, the accounts, I believe, in the four records of the Gospel of seven blind men being healed. This man is blind from birth. And this is an interesting thing. Because some of the disciples were contaminated, apparently, with some faulty belief that there was some sort of transmigration of the soul. And that maybe the baby, before he was born, had somehow been contaminated by sin. And that this had caused him to be born into the world blind. Now, of course, we all know that there are horrible social diseases uh, that do often afflict little children who come into the world with a bearing some of the results of what parents have done that are evil through alcoholism or drugs or AIDS or some horrible thing like that. But in this case, notice Jesus' answer. Jesus said, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. Joel Barker says in one of these letters that Mother Teresa said to the communist officials who were complaining about the throngs of poor, malnourished people. These are beautiful people. God loves them. He sent us here to do something for them. What a wonderful opportunity we have. That's the spirit. That's the spirit that Jesus had. And that's the spirit she's got. It was neither this man nor his parents, said Jesus, but in order that the works of God might be made manifest. And then... He says that work, night is coming when no one can work. So there are things that we must do while we have the opportunity to do them. We don't let the feeling pass, but we do something in response to it. Jesus said, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Then he does this strange thing. He spat on the ground. He made clay of the spittle. And he applied the clay to the man's eyes and sent him, go wash in the pool of Siloam which is translated scent. There was a, a viaduct that brought water from one pool to another. And so the man went away. And you can almost imagine that tremendous scene. I wonder how he got to the pool of Siloam. Did some friends standing by hear him and say, we'll help you get to the pool? Or did he have to tap along with a stick to get to it? Did someone make fun of him because he had mud smeared over his eyes? We don't know, but we know one thing. He obeyed. He obeyed. He acted on faith. And Jesus watched this pilgrim's progress.
he goes to the pool of Siloam and he washed. And I've often thought how strange it must have been when the water came away from his eyes and he could see the blue of the sky. He could see his hands. He could see the face of whoever brought him there. And the blessed gift of sight had been given to him. This was a, must have been a tremendously moving experience. I know a man who is an, a, a very famous surgeon in Miami in the Bascom Palmer Eye Clinic. I heard him give his testimony in a meeting, in a, one of those continuing education meetings at Duke. He is one of the most famous ophthalmologists in the whole world. And I remember someone asking him if he prayed with his patients, and he said, every one of them. And they said, don't you find some Jewish people resent your praying in the name of Jesus? And he said, listen, when they come to me, they are in serious condition. They have come to the end of the line. They can't go further in this world and find anyone to help them to be able to see. And he said, I have no way to God except through Jesus. And I pray to Jesus to give me the skill to help. Another ophthalmologist, instead of having some uh, little wordy chart, is put on his chart, I am the light of the world, so that the people who get to look at that can see it. And he bears a testimony to Jesus. Well, think of the testimony that's here. He came back seeing. He obeyed. And that's the test of faith. The test of faith is obedience. Trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. It's no use to say that we trust if we're not willing to obey. The neighbors, therefore, and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is not this the one who used to sit and beg? You know, it's great in your faith when someone sees a difference. I saw Donald Mara before and I after he's come to know Jesus Christ. I saw him in the Bahamas when his biggest ambition in life was to have the biggest house he could get, to make all the money that he could get, to enjoy all of the pleasure of this life that there was. But Jesus touched his life. And it's wonderful when people ask the question, is this really the same man? And there are people who ask that question about him. Is this really the Donnie Marr that I knew? at Florida State University. They know he's not the same. They want to know what happened. Well, they wanted to know what the change had taken place here. Some were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, but it's like him. But he kept saying, I am the one. Are you so converted that someone has to ask the question, is this really the same guy? Has something happened to him spiritually? And it doesn't just happen one time, but there ought to be spiritual growth all the way through our lives. We ought to keep on growing in the Lord. Therefore they were saying to him, How then were your eyes open? And he answered, The man. Notice what he calls Jesus. The man who, was, who is called Jesus made clay. All he knew was a man. The man who is called Jesus. He anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam, wash. And I went away and washed, and I received my sight. 
They said to him, where is he? Where is that man? He said, I don't know. Verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been formerly blind. They bring him to the elders of the church. It was on a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay. That's the big wrong thing in the eyes of the Pharisees. He made clay on the Sabbath day. They had all kind of rules. And one of them was that you can't make any clay. And just that that was mixed and was put on the man's face was considered the making of clay. If you wore shoes that had nails in them, that was the carrying of nails on the Sabbath. They had many foolish laws. It was on the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay, and they were more concerned about that than the fact that the man could see. And so the Pharisees also were asking him how he received his sight, and he said, he applied clay to my eyes, I washed, I see. A straightforward testimony. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. There's always been a debate. Jesus is a very controversial figure. Go anywhere and proclaim the deity of Jesus Christ, and you'll see people divide up. I remember going one time to a Rotary Club and praying in the name of Jesus Christ when I was asked to return thanks. Wham! A lady got me right after the thing. She was Jewish, praying in the name of Jesus. I said, I don't have any other route to God. We had quite a few words right on the steps of the Battery Park Hotel in Asheville. Uh, well, you don't have any way to God except through Jesus Christ. He is not one of the ways and Buddha is another, and Confucius is another, and Mohammed is another. Jesus is the way. There is no other way. And if you get there to God, you go through him, or you hadn't been there. There was a division among them, and they said, therefore, to the blind man again, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, notice, before he said he's a man, now he said, he is a prophet. Now that was a great tribute. A prophet was a man of God. And it's a wonderful thing for someone to have said of Jesus, that's a man of God. First he said he was just a man. Then he says he is a prophet. He is a man of God. The Jews therefore did not believe it of him that he had been blind and had recite. They, even though they saw the man, they didn't believe it. They called his parents, the parents of the very one who had received his sight, and they questioned them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. You see, they were being intimidated already by the Pharisees. And then the parents do a cowardly thing. They say, ask him. He is of age. If you have a child, a son like Howard Hall, be thankful for him. Someone who can, who can make a statement for Jesus Christ. Be, be thankful for your children who come into a knowledge of the Savior. I've seen parents embarrassed because some of their kids got turned on for the Lord. 
We used to have a singing group who came up here from Florence, South Carolina, that had a, the most wonderful name for a choir, the Freed Up Five. And I've often thought, man, that's a good name, the Freed Up Five. I'd like to have the Freed Up Presbyterian Church. Uh, ask him, he is of age, he shall speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. Somebody will get you. He doesn't read our magazine. I'm not sure he's really one of us. I don't know whether you ought to give any money to them or not. He was afraid of the Jews. 341C. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess him to be Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Put you out if you confess Christ. I'd rather be outside with Christ than inside without him. For this reason, his parents said, He ask him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He therefore answered and said, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know one thing I know. Whereas I was blind, now I see. Now that's the rock of experience. Can you say that? Can you say, God has touched me, Jesus has saved me, I belong to him 100% and I will be obedient to him no matter what anyone says anywhere. My allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ, not to anyone else's prejudice. I was blind, now I see. They said therefore to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Now this guy is really crafty. He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to believe, do you? He turned the knife a little bit. You don't want to believe, do you? You don't want to be his disciples, do you? Then they reviled him. They jumped on him. They said, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. Yeah. We know what God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, and this man is really brave. Well, here is an amazing thing, that you don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a God-fearing, is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it's never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They asked and said to him, You were born entirely in sin. Debuse on him. And are you teaching us, they say? And they put him out of the synagogue, excommunicated. I certainly am glad Martin Luther got excommunicated. John Knox got excommunicated. William Tyndall. John Wycliffe. Hugh Latimer. Go down God's Hall of Fame. 
John Wesley told he could no more preach in that parish again and again and again. Jesus heard that they had put him out of the synagogue and finding him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now that's a phrase which is equal to the Messiah. And he answered and said, and this is great freed up faith, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, you have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. See, he uses the light that he has, and the Lord gives him more light. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, we are not blind too, are we? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. And so your sin remains. Next Sunday we'll see in chapter 10 what the really good shepherd does for one who's cast out. Set my hands, up. do you remember this? Set my hands upon the plow my feet upon the sod. Turn my face then toward the east and praise be to my God, the God who makes his sun to shine alike on you and me, the God who took away my sight that now my soul may see. A man, a prophet, the Son of God, and Jesus is Lord. Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this amazing man, for his fantastic courage, for his growth in grace, and for the use of his life to glorify you. Help those of us who have two eyes to see with, and those of us who have some measure of health to use, some measure of wealth to spend some opportunity of service to be utterly to you. Forgive us for our failures and make us strong to do your will. For Jesus' sake, amen.